Okay, so we on Daf Chafayamud Aleph. We continuing our discussion about uh, davening near uh, urine and uh, excrement. I'm sorry, but this is Torah, and obviously in those times these were very, you know, really real, real considerations. Um, but uh, we'll try and, you know, read different pieces of it and try and extract as we've been doing. Uh, you know, a, a one rule that we can, you know, kind of summarize that point with. Um, um, so what we just discussed was regarding how uh, draw does uh, does uh, tsoa need to be in order to be considered that it's not something of an entity. And basically the discussion is how much moisture does it have inside of it. And we just said here, over here, Amarova, Hilchata, the halacha is tsoa kacheres asura. If tsoa is like uh, clay, it's dry like clay, um, nevertheless, it's still forbidden to dive in near it uh, because it's still, unless it basically you kick it and, it and it breaks or you roll it or you throw it and it breaks, then it's fine. But uh, if it doesn't, then it's still considered a problem. Umeiraglaim calls manchimat pichin. And urine, um, according to Rava, the halacha is, is you can daven next to urine as long, you can see it on the floor, but as long as it's not damp, um, then you, you can't daven near it. So now we're going to go more into this discussion and we say, Meitivei, bring a Tanaic uh, source against this. Meiraglaim calls manchimat pichin asurim. Uh, urine, whenever it is uh, uh, damp, uh, it's forbidden, asurim. Now, okay, so that's the Tanakama, the first opinion. Nivlu'u, once it's absorbed though, or yevshu, or it's dried, mutarim, then you can dive in next to it. My love, nivlu'u, dumya diyavshu, isn't it the concept where we say the level of its absorption is that it's similar to the fact that it's 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 dried, meaning you can't even see a remnant of it there. So what we see from here is just as um, just as when as a uh, urine that's dried isn't recognizable, uh, there's no remnants. So to it's so absorbed that there's no remnants, um, then it's mutter to dive next to it. asur. But if you can see a remnant. Even though it's not damp. So according to this, we see that it, um, it, it, we, if it's uh, if it's rishumim uh, nikar, it's uh, it's forbidden. If it's still if it's if you can see its remnants there, and that's a, a Tanaic source against what Rover just paskened, where he said as long as it's not damp, it's fine. Ulatimax, so the Gemara argues, it says, but according to you, Aimeratia, what about the beginning of the Brighter which we just quoted? What do we extract from that? All the time that it is damp, it is forbidden. Right? Um, as long as it's damp, it's forbidden. Now, what do you extrapolate from that? Ha, Rishumanikar Shari. If it's recognizable, but it's not damp, then it's permitted. So from this brighter, you can't learn out anything because the beginning of the brighter suggests that 
if it's recognizable, it's fine. But from the end of the Brighter, it says that if it's recognizable, it's not fine. So you can't learn from that. So let's say this is actually a Machloket Tanaim, and that's why, you, you know, there's certain sources that support what Rova said and so, certain sources that don't. If you got a vessel that had urine inside of it, um, it's forbidden to read Shema next to that uh, that vessel. So here, um, um, so you've got a cliche nishpachu mimenu. So now you've got a vessel that it used to have urine inside of it, but it spilled out. You still can't daven next to that vessel. Um, umay, you can't reach ma. Umayn raglay matzmam shenishpachu nivlau mutar. But the, the urine itself that fell out of this uh, vessel, if that spilt, if it's absorbed into the ground, mutar. Lo nivlu asur. If it doesn't get absorbed, then it's forbidden. So what do you see from there? That it seems to be that um, what is the level of nivlo? Rabbi Yossi Omer calls man shemat pekin. As long as it's not, as long as it's damp, then then it's a problem. So what do you see from here? The ratio is that it's absorbed, and the safer is the other opinion says that it is um, uh, damp. So from that you see that the beginning is that rishumam nikar. It's recognizable. Um, uh, as long as it's not, um, as long as it's, uh, it ha- can only be recognizable. Whereas here, it says that it's matpikim, it's, it's damp. My nivlau, umai lo nivlau, the tanakama. What's the case of if it's been absorbed or not absorbed, according to the tanakama? What's his level of absorption? Elam, if you want to say nivlau, that it's absorbed, ain matpikim, that it's not damp. And when it, we say that it, it hasn't been absorbed, the matpikin that it's still damp, who comes to argue on him, calls him it's forbidden, as long as it's damp. What you see from here is that if, it's, if there's a remnant, it's mutar, that's the Tanakama's opinion, therefore there's no argument. So nivlau can't mean that there's a remnant there. Um, it must mean that it's completely absorbed. Rather, when it means it's absorbed, it means you can't even see any remnants. Lo nivlau, whereas where it is absorbed, it's not absorbed. It is recognizable, and that would be a problem. He holds that as long as um, uh, it's damp, it's forbidden. But if it's recognizable. It is uh, um, it, it's permitted, even if it's recognizable. So what so what you see from here is it's a machlokit tanaim. One opinion holds that you can't even see it, and the other one says you can see it as long as it's not damp. Um, so that's a machlokit tanaim. So the Gemara says no, no. Do kuli alma cause man shemat pichim Really, they both agree that as long as it's damp. That's when it's forbidden to, to say Shema near it. shari. But if it is recognizable, then it's uh, permitted, as long as it's not damp. Oh, but what are they arguing about? They're arguing about how damp. Is it damp enough that if you had to touch it, 
you could wet something else? Or is it damp enough that when you touch it, you feel dampness, but it's not damp enough to wet something else? The, this concept is actually a halacha of schitta, of a squeezing regarding a Shabbos. Like, how, how wet is it, a, is it a problem? Is it, if it's wet enough that you, it, um, that you're, uh, you can wet something else, or it's only wet enough that it, it wets you, but you can't wet something else? So basically, that little discussion was, was about uh, the, the prohibition of saying Shema near urine, and the makloket is, um, do, is it, if it's, if it's visible, and there's remnants of it there, it hasn't been absorbed or it hasn't been evaporated, it could be a problem. Other opinions hold, no, that's not a problem as long as it's not um, wet. And then there's an argument possibly about how wet is a problem. If it's wet enough to wet other things, then it's a problem. But if it's just wet, then, then it's not a problem. Whereas others hold, no, if, even if it's just wet without being able to wet something else, then it's a problem and you can't say shema near it. Okay. So this, the Mishnah stated that you went into, you a, a person was a Balkari, remember? They had a semen in their mission, they made them impure, and in order to get rid of that impurity, they needed to go mikvah. So they go to mikvah, and then the, as they're getting out, or, or they, they realize they don't have enough time to say Shema before sunrise. So the, the Mishnah said that you could say Shema while within the water. Um, uh, and uh, we're going to discuss that topic now. What do you see from here? If it's so urgent that you can say Shema while you submerged in a mikveh, so that you can say it before uh, night, before sunrise, that seems to show you that this um, anonymous Tana holds like Rabbi Eliezer. Why? What does Rabbi Eliezer hold? Rabbi Eliezer holds you can say Shema until sunrise. How hard would that be, right? You, that's, you have to wake up so early that you can say Shema before sunrise. And that is the halacha of, of, according to him, you, it's not like an ideal time to say Shema like we hold, like Vatikin, but he holds that's the way. So why would, if this is, why would you go through so much trouble to say, to say Shema while still in the mikveh? And because it's an anonymous tanner that's teaching it, that, and we normally hold like an anonymous tana. I mean, that would mean that uh, we should daven Shema before nights. So that's a big question. And we know practically we don't hold that way. So how are we going to get around this? So the Gemara says, Afidu Tamer Rabbi Yeshua. No, you can even say it is Rabbi Yeshua. Who holds you can say Shema until three hours. Vedilma Kavatikin. Rather, it's that you allowed to say Shema like Vatikin, like the pious ones. Um, even if you submerged in a mikveh. The Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Vatikin, are you going Because Rabbi Yochanan said that Vatikin, the pious ones, they would finish Shema with sunrise and then Davin Amida straight afterwards. Okay, now, if you can't get out in time to say Shema, what must you do? You should cover, your, your, you cover with yourself with the water and you read Shema. So we ask him this, but hold on. We've discussed this before, that there needs to be a separation between your heart and your lower area, your erva, your nakedness. And if you are considered under the water, so your, your head's above the water, but your, your chest, where your heart is, and your erva are in the same vicinity, you don't have any separation between the two. 
Um, so that would be a problem. So, so we've got different solutions for this. And remember, I told you that's why you wear a, a belt or shorts to separate your top half from your bottom part. But here you're not, so it's a question. We're talking about in murky water that you can't actually see uh, in through. And the Chirushia is that murky water is like as if your body is surrounded by sand. And even though your top half and your bottom half are in the same vicinity of the sand, since the sand is right up above your body, there's a natural separation between the top half and the bottom half. Um, and the Chirushia is even murky water, since you, your heart can't see your nakedness, Therefore, there's considered a separation, and that's what the case in the mikvah would be. Tanu Rabbon and our rabbis taught us, Maim Tzulim Yashabayim Ad Tzvaro, water that is clear, Maim Tzulim, water that is clear, you may you may sit in the water, um, um, sorry, my, um, you may sit under the in the water um, until your neck, Vakore, and then you reach Shema. Um, and another opinion says you have to shake up the water so that it becomes bubbly and murky, so to speak, when you're saying Shema, so that there's a difference between the, the top half and the bottom part. Uh, so we see there's a brighter that proves it. But hold on, the Tanakama said you can say Shema while being under the water, just your neck, and therefore your your heart and your erva are in the same vicinity, which is a problem. But Tanakama, vare liboroeta erva. So the Tanakama holds you, there's no problem of your heart seeing your nakedness. And that's why you don't have to kick up the water. Now another Chiddush, that isn't, there might not be a problem of your heart seeing your nakedness because your heart is, is often, you know, in the same vicinity. If you're wearing a coat, your heart and your nakedness are in the same vicinity. But what about your heel? Um, can your heel which is always in a different vicinity. You don't, you don't cover your heel with the same garment you cover your, your heart or your erva with. So can your akeva, can your heel see the nakedness? And if it's, if, um, uh, so that would be a problem, He's, this thought is, that even according to the Tanakama, he holds you, your heart can't see your nakedness, but your, your, your heart can see your nakedness, but your heel shouldn't be able to. He holds the same thing by your heel. Itmar, it was stated, If your heel sees your erva, it's fine. But if it's touching your erva, right? You're sitting down and you're naked or whatever, your, your heel is touching your erva. Can you say Shema while your heel is touching your erva? Abaya Amar Asur. He says, that because your heel is touching your erva and it could be arousing or it could be thought-provoking and that's why you shouldn't say Shema in that position. But Rova Amar Muta, Rova says, no, it's not a problem. Rav Zvid taught this, teach the sugya slightly differently. Rav Chinanya Bereide Rav Ika Matni La Hachi. He would teach it this way. If you touch, if your heel touches your erva, everybody agrees, Asur, it's forbidden. But what if your heel sees your erva? Abaya Amar Asur, Rava Amar Mutar. 
Abai says it's forbidden, and Rava says it's mutar. Why does he say mutar that your heel should see your heart? The, the, the Torah wasn't given to angels who don't have these bodily parts, don't have erva. But humans have erva. We have bodily parts. And therefore it's just practically not possible that humans should be constantly in a position where their heels don't touch the ervas and therefore, or don't see the ervas rather. Um, and that's why it's permitted. But sorry, see, feeling your, your heel, feeling your erva, that, or touching your erva, that would be a problem. The dialogue is nogaya asur. If your heels, your heel to touch your erva is forbidden. Roy mutar, but seeing it is allowed. Amarova. Okay, so that little sugya taught us about saying Shema underneath water and the halacha of that your heart should be separate from your erva. There are those that hold it's not a problem. Regarding your heel, to see your erva, it seems there's a, a machloket, but and we, some hold it's allowed. And somehow that your heel seeing, feeling your erva, touching your erva would be a problem. Amarova, Rova says, Tsoa ba'ashashit mutar. Can you daven in front of tsoar, of feces, that are in a case where they're covered but they're visible? Mutar likro kriyashma connecta. You're allowed to say shma in front of such a box. Erva, but if you've got nakedness ba'ashashit, that are, in, that are behind a glass separation, so they're in a separate vicinity, but you can see the erva, you can't say shema, being able to see nakedness. Why, what's the svara? You're allowed to daven in front of tsua that you can see, as long as it's covered, because What's important is that it's covered, it's in a separate vicinity. Vaha mikasya, and it's covered if it's in a separate, albeit see through box. Erva abashit asulikor kriyashma connective, aloyira vacha erva davar. You can't say shma in front of uh, a nakedness that you can see, even if it's covered by something see through, because the Torah says. You should not see a, a thing of nakedness. Um, and there, and yet, Baha commit chazi, and you can see it. So even if it's covered by some things that you see through, it's still a problem. Amar Abaya says, Tzua koshu mevat Another interesting case. Um, um, if you've got Tzua next to you, um, how do you remove that? You know, so you somehow you can't move away from it. So it says you can mevatel it, you can remove it with rock, with spit. Amar Rova Baroik Aver. He says no. It's not just any spit, because spit is liquidy and it's not. It's not. Not going to cover the tzoar. Rather, you need thick spit like phlegm. Um, that will mavatel. That will take away the tzoar that's next to you. Amar Rova tzoar beguma manir sandlo alea bekorek kriyachma. Rova says that if you've got a tzoar in a hole, you can put your uh, shoe. Over the hole, so the tsar is blocked, and then you can say shmi above that. Um, so the the chiddushia is that since it's in a hole and and it's separate by your shoe, it's in a separate entity. Obviously, you can't smell it as well. 
Okay, so the tsuar is in a hole and your foot's over the hole in a shoe, but what if the tsuar is actually touching your shoe? Can you say shema? The question is, is that, is, is the shoe mevatal to your foot and therefore the, the tsuar that's touching your shoe is basically touching your foot? Or do we say no, at separate entities and you, you still separately from it and therefore you can say shema, teiku. We don't know the answer. Tishbi Yitaritz Kushur Vabait means when Mashiach comes, we'll get an answer. Amar Abiyuda Akum Ovdei Kuchovim, a non Jewish idol worshipper, Arum, who's naked, also Likro Kriyashma Kenegdoi. You can't read Shema in front of a, a, a non Jew who's showing nakedness. My area Akum. Why do you bring a case of Akum? I feel you saw Nami. A Jew, you also can't say Shema in front of who's naked. Why specifically say an Akum? Yisrael Pshita Lei Te'asur. It's obvious that you can't say Shema in front of a naked Jew. Remember, we said Lo Yirel Ervat Davar. You can't say it. But we might have a Havamina that a non-Jewish idol worshipper, their nakedness isn't considered nakedness regarding Shema. You need to teach us that a, a non-Jew, it would be a problem. What would you have said? Since it says by idol worshippers, their flesh is like the flesh of donkeys. You might think that their flesh is like donkey flesh. And you're allowed to say Shema in front of a donkey that's not wearing clothes, right? Kamash Malan, this is teaching us to inu nami ikru erva. That the nakedness of a of a non-Jewish idol worshipper is considered nakedness. How do we know? because the pasuk says the ervat aviim lo When it comes to Noach and when uh, Shem and uh, and Yefet take uh, cover their father, they say the nakedness of their father they didn't see. And we're talking about Noah who wasn't Jewish, you know, so he's considered non-Jew, and yet we still describe his nakedness as nakedness. Okay. Um, we said it there that when you go into a mikveh, um, either you know you say shema, and but you can't say shema in water or near water that's foul smelling. It says veloyit kaseh but don't cover yourself or don't cover something. We'll see with uh, bad water mishra or flax water, water that's been used to soak flax until you put a bit of water into it. Now, it's, it's impossible to put enough water into a mikveh, especially when you've got only a minute or so to say Shema in. You can't m- remove the bad stench of, a, of gallons of water, uh, you know, in such a time. So what does it mean that you add water to cancel out the bad water? How much can you put in? So the Gemara answers, This is what we're saying. You can't cover your body with bad water or, or smelly water that's been used to soak flax. That you can't, you have to be completely away from that smelly water. But urine, you are able to say Shema by urine as long as you put some water that will dilute the urine and then you can say Shema. So meaning they're not talking about the same thing, uh, they're talking about two different things. The one is you can't say Shema at all by bad smelling water, 
and then you and separate thing is you can't say shema by urine but you can dilute the urine tanarabon and kamayatul tokenaim how much water do you have to put into the urine in order to dilute it koshu any amount helps even the slightest amount will be enough to say shema next to it rabbi zakai oh meravit rabbi zakai says no you need a revit you need about 90 mils to cancel out the urine amarav nachman rav nachman said machloket lebesoif Rav Nachman says this machloket is if you take, if you got urine there and you put water into the urine. But what if you put water first um, and then you put in the urine? Kol shahain. Kol shahain. But if you have the water first, then it must be more diluting and therefore even a little bit of water if you put add the urine into the water then even a little bit of water will be mavato but what they're arguing about is where the urine's already there and you have to add in water to the urine for Rav Yosef Rav Yosef says the opposite Machloket is where you put the water in um, you first put the water in and then you put the urine but uh, at the end, where the you put the water, you add the water into the urine. Divrakor revit. The the uh, everybody agrees. You a little bit isn't enough. You need a revit. Amalei Rav Yosef leshamei. Rav Yosef said to his servant, "I tuli reviatai demaya krebi zakai." So how does Rav Yosef paskin? He says to his servant, "Bring me a revit of water, um, uh, and." Uh, and even if I put the water in first and then I add the urine, then I still hold, like Rabbi Zakai, that you need a revit of water. Tan Rabon and Graf Shorei, um, a Graf Shorei is like a potty. And now remember, they used to have portable little toilet bowls in their house and they would go out and empty the toilet bowl. Um, so this Graf Shorei is an empty toilet bowl, the Avichomara Glime or a bowl uh, for urine. Um, similarly, I would imagine like a cat's, I don't know what you call it, like a cat thing where the cat goes and makes, goes to the toilet in this cat box thing. Um, so, aso likrot kriyot shma Even if it's empty, you can't say shma next to it. ein bahem klum, even if it's empty. but urine, uh, you have to dilute it. How much water do you have to put in to dilute it? Just a little bit. Rabbi Zaka says, no, you need to review it. Now, where this, so you've got a bed and the, us, the, this, this potty is either in, you davening next to the bed. So either the, the potty is in between you and the bed or it's on the other side of the bed and the bed is separating you from the potty. That's the case. Whether the potty is before the bed or behind the bed, Rabbi Shimon Gamal says, um, after, if it's, if it's on the other, if it's behind the bed, then you can read because the bed separates the potty from you. But before the bed, like in front of you, um, uh, you can't read it because it's in your same vicinity. What must you do? Then you separate yourself four amot and then you read Shema. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says something great, he says, even if you've got a house 
of a hundred amot, you cannot read Shema in that vicinity unless you take away this uh, potty um, or place it underneath a bed. Meaning you have to take, put it in a separate vicinity. He views that the, under the same roof is considered your own four amot, your own two meters. And remember, you have to distance yourself two meters from the urine. Um, and you, as long as you're in the same house, because we view it as two meat, as four amot, you, uh, you have to actually leave the house or take the, the party and let that leave the house or cover the party. This is actually an interesting shiloh regarding walking around the house with a kippah because you're allowed to, obviously it's not ideal, but you're allowed to walk around four amot, about two meters without a kippah on your head. Now, if you hold that your whole house is four amot, then you would theoretically be able to walk around your house without a kippah. Iboi lehu, they asked of him, Heiki kamar, akara mita kore miyad. What are we saying here? That behind the bed, um, you can read it immediately because the bed is a separation. Lifnea mita, but if, the, if, if you're in front of the bed, marki karba amot bakore, you have to separate yourself for amot and then you can read shma or dilmo, possibly haki kamar. This is what we're saying. Even behind the bed, where it's separate to you by the bed, you have to move away for Amot still, and then you read. But before the bed, you can't read at all. You can't even move away from for Amot, um, but you can't read it at all. It has to have a separation. So let's, what is the Alokhiya? Tashma, come in here, approved. The Tanya says in a brighter, Rabbi Shimon Lazar Koremiyad. If it's behind the bed, you can read it immediately. You, if it's before the bed, meaning it's in front of you, you have to move away for Amot. So we see it clearly there that, the, that from this brighter, the case is that as long as the bed's separating you, you don't need for Amot. If the bed's not separating you, then you need for Amot. He argues, You have to put it in a different vicinity, either put it under the bed or take it out of the house. Bayin ba'ayin ush a question ushpita a question was answered, but there's a contradiction ushpitalan matnita kashnadadi. But we have a bit of a contradiction between the Bryces because our Bryce says Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar says one thing, um, and he says, and here we say Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says you your your house is considered like one entity. Whereas above, we said the way, the opposite way around. So uh, we've got an answer to our question, but we've got a bit of a problem because the brighter quotes the opposite opinions. Um, so how are we going to get around this? Ipuch, no, you turn it around, but trita. You, the later brighter, you swap around. So the Gemara asks, What made you swap around the later brighter? Ipuch, kamaita, swap around the first brighter, meaning Either way, you just need to swap around one, but why did you choose the latter one? Manch might lay, why would it, why would it occur to you, um, or who was the one that said, the Amar Kulabate that your whole house is considered like four Amot, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, he, it's Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, um, and because it's, we have some other source, we're not, it's not clear where it is, that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar holds that your whole house is considered like Arba Amot, that's why we say uh, we swap around the first brighter or, um, and not the, the second one. Okay. Amar Rav Yosef, Bomi Nai, Merav Huna, 
we ask of Rav Huna, Mita pochot mishloisha. This bed that's separating you from the party, um, if it is less than three tfachim ha, shittily, it's, it's obvious that it, it envelops the party and it covers it. Shittily wa, kalavud dami, because it's considered like lavud. Lavud means that anything within three tfachim of something is as if those three tefachim aren't there. So say you want to build a virtual halachic wall around a sukkah, so you take strings that are within three tefachim, three fistfuls around, um, um, a, 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 a separate from each other. As long as it's within three tefachim, it's as if it's actually joined. And therefore, you, you halachically, you, you're building a wall that's just made out of string. So here, since it's within three tefachim, of the floor and the bed, it's considered enveloped by the bed. Uh, what about shloisha arba chamisha shisha shiva shmona tisha mau? What about if it's above three but not yet ten? What would we consider it that it's enveloping the the potty? Amalai loyadana. He says I don't know. Rav Yosef says uh, from he he asks Rav Huna and Rav Huna doesn't have an answer. So we are like this. Asaravada loti boili. When it comes to ten tefachim, that's not being that's not a question because Amarabaya Shapiravadit the law iboilach. It's good that you didn't ask for the ten tefachim question. You only asked until nine. Call asarushutakritehi because every time every ten tefachim is considered a separate shut. So you can't say that the bed is enveloping the party because it's in a separate shut. It's ten tefachim higher than the party of the from the ground. So therefore, it's, you can't say it's enveloping it. So that's a good thing that you never ask that question. Um, so, so, but, um, but what is, so I'm a rover. Rover says, Hilchata, what's the halocha? Pachin mishloisha, if the party, if the, is the, the bed is within three tfachim, kalavud dami, it covers the party. Asara, if it's ten tfachim ha, rishut akritahi, it doesn't cover the party at all because it's a separate rishut. Mishloisha, at asara, but within that gap of three to ten, Hainu de Boiminai Rav Yosef Ravuna. This is what Rav Yosef asked Ravuna. Velo Pashatlai. And he didn't give him given didn't give him an answer. Amarav, Rav says, Halokha Krabishim bin Lazar. The halokha is like Rabishim bin Lazar. That your house, your entire house is considered like Arba Amot, like Fort Fakim. Um, and therefore you either have to cover the party or you have to get it outside. Um Nafkumin also for the Kippah question. Bachain Amar Bali Amaribiyakov Barad Bachmu Halokha Krabishimin Lazar. We've got another opinion that holds like Rabishimin Lazar. But Rova Amar Rova says, Ain Alokha Krabishim Ben Lazar. No, that look is not like Rabishimin Ben Lazar. You don't view your whole house under the same roof as one entity of four amot. Rather, it's you just have to separate from the party four amot. Um, Rav Achya Iasik Lay Lebrai by Rav Yitzhak by Shmu by Marta I Lay Lechupa. Um, so Rav Achya was uh, was dealing with marrying off his son. Um, uh, so Iasik Lay Lebrai by Rav by Rav Yitzhak by Shmu by Marta I Lay Lechupa. So he was escorting his son to um, the bridal chamber to be with his wife. And it wasn't successful. They couldn't uh, consummate the marriage. Um, so the father came to check out what was going on. Why not? 
he saw that there was a Sefer Torah in the room. And that's why somehow miraculously he wasn't able to consummate the marriage because Baruch Hashem, he didn't, he, he, it's, it's completely wrong to have relations in the same room as the Torah. Amalahu, he said to them, I guess the people that set up the room, Iku hashta lo atya sakantun livri. Um, you, you put my, you lucky because you would have put my son in danger. If he did consummate the marriage, he would have been in danger. The Tanya says in a brighter, a house that has a room that has a sefer Torah, you can't be intimate within that room. Uh, you can't use the bed unless you take out the Torah or the Tzvilin or you put them into a vessel within another vessel um, uh, you cover it up now from the next Amud from this little part we're going to discuss how to exactly cover it up what is halakhically covering it up um, uh, okay guys